Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. You're listening to Blue Jays Nation Radio, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts and delivered by DoorDash. With Cam Lewis and Tyler Uremchuk. Welcome to episode 41 of Blue Jays Nation Radio. I am not Tyler Uremchuk. I am Cam Lewis because Tyler yet again has disappeared on us. He was golfing today. That was his excuse this time around. I am joined instead by the much better than Tyler, in my opinion, Brendan Kuhn. BK, how's it going? Hey, I'll take that. I'm doing well, Cam. How are you? I'm doing, I'm doing good. Happy to be honest with you. Today's game, Thursday's game, not great. But... Nope. I will not complain about doing two of two with the Chicago White Sox. I will not complain about it. It's not bad. It's one of those things in the context of a 162-game season. You're like, hey, this is all right. That's not the worst result. Uh, but when you've got ground to make up on other teams, <laughs> anytime you split, it hurts, even if it feels like it's good to split with a really good team. Uh, the Jays need to start winning series. And it doesn't do. matter who the opponent is. They need to win series. They really do. That was a, yes, that was a, that was a nice little uh, – dose of reality on my very forced positivity (laughs) i was um yeah i was i to be honest with you i came in after the detroit series the the sunday game in which they quite literally just threw it away and i thought oh my goodness they are going to get swept in this four game series by the white Sox, and they didn't so it's sort of a positive i guess but like you said not the best anyways we'll get into all of this and all of that with three up, three down, brought to you by Twig and Berries. As always, head over to twigandberries.ca and use the promo code NATION15 for a nice little 15% off underwear, socks, all of that kind of good stuff. So the first up that I have was in the first game, Alec Manoa put together a phenomenal start in which, in which he went six innings and allowed only one earned run. And I thought specifically the thing I liked about this game is that Charlie Montoya let Montoya or let Manoa work his way out of a difficult jam which I think is a positive for his development as a pitcher, right? He's earned a lot of trust uh, with the team and the coaching staff uh, in a very quick amount of time. Um, And he's fun to watch because he's not like the stuff isn't elite. You see some of these like Frisbee sliders that are super impressive every once in a while, but sometimes he hangs a slider and the velocity is like 94. Um, But dude just battles. The guy goes out there and has a compete level on the mound and a confidence that you want to have in a starting pitch. And when you project that confidence and he, you know, is a guy who doesn't get rattled, um, Charlie clearly believes in him. And it's it's fun to see the organization buy in so quickly on what they see, right? Because his age and, and uh, background would make you think you got to ease this guy in. Um, but he's shown enough and they just, they bought it. They bought in. And I love that he's getting his opportunity to pitch in some ways like a veteran. 
that's what I thought kind of in that sixth inning of this game is it it this is the the Monday game that I'm talking about it was the sixth inning and there was a couple of guys on you know the 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 game is tied and it looked like the prime opportunity for this team to have a bullpen meltdown as we've seen nine million times this season but Charlie stuck with his guy and he he rewarded him and I think that's fantastic and then that'll take us then to the second up which is I think pretty much an up that we have almost every single time we record one of these things now is that Robbie Ray put together an outrageous start, like an absolutely outrageous start in what felt, felt kind of like a must win game. He, he kind of came out and put together, this might've been his best start of the season, to be totally honest with you. It was seven innings, only five hits, one earned one, uh, one walk, 14 strikeouts. And he became the first ever Blue Jays lefty to record 14 strikeouts in one game. And if I remember right, the the one run was just a blue pit, right? Like yes. he wasn't, he was not getting squared yeah. up at all. Um, and the White Sox are obviously a very good hitting team, but they they crush lefties too. Like their strength is they they do very well against left-handed pitching, um, as we saw in the Thursday game against. <laughs> well, we'll, get, we'll get there. We'll get there. So, oh yeah. yeah, see Robbie Ray just go out and dominate in that fashion. Um, I mean, man, the guy is making himself so much money this yes. offseason. He is going to get paid and every start, it feels like you're tacking on like another $10 million to what he's going to get paid in the off season. And he's earned it. I mean, there's, there's nothing from his profile this season that says anything short of ACE. It's not batted ball luck. It's none of that stuff. He is dominating and is one of the best pitchers in baseball in a brutal division, playing a lot of games in hitters parks, playing against teams loaded with right-handed power hitters. And he shows up pretty much every time and has an incredible outing. So, yeah, I mean, hard to – Robbie Ray might be the team MVP. As elite as Glad oh, has been, with him slug, uh, struggling as much as he has lately, um, yeah, I, I don't know if I'm outright willing to call Robbie Ray the team MVP, but he's very much in that discussion and might end the year in that way, which is funny because Laddie seemed like the baseball MVP a month ago. And now we're looking at the team and be like, ah, he might not even be MVP of this team. And uh, Marcus Semyon as well, right? Like you, mm-hmm. you've got these guys who signed mm-hmm. a one-year deals and they just have monster seasons. Um, yeah, f- fun to watch, as painful as watching the Jays is. And then final up comes from the exact same game. And it's so bottom of the eighth, the game is tied 1-1. We have, you know, big part of the order coming up. Marcus Semyon strikes out. Vladimir Guerrero strikes out, and then they get a little bit of a rally going. Teoscar Hernandez hits a single. Bravik Valera hits a single. And then Alejandro Kirk comes up with one of very few clutch hits the team has had in late game situations this season. He gives the team a two to one lead. And then Randall Grichuk takes a bases loaded walk. But the Kirk at bat specifically, like that was a good pitch that he hit. Like a like yeah, a I mean, well placed pitch. From, from a lefty, he gets a little slider. That's bottom corner. He gets under it enough to, you know, get it out of the infield. Nice little line drive, right center base hit. And that's the kind of hitter Alejandro Kirk is, right? He's not elite power. He's got doubles power. Like, he'll hit a lot of doubles in his career. And he'll hit home runs, too. But he he gets the bat on the ball, and he barrels it. It's not, uh, it's not dink and dunk hitting, but he just hits line drives. And um, he deserves the opportunity to, to be seeing those moments, being in those situations. And it... Brings me back to the time he was pulled in favor of Bravik Valera quite recently um, in a very similar game situation, right? Two guys on and and the decision there by Charlie, you need to run. And and the decision by Charlie was to bunt. Mm. And for whatever reason, that made sense to them. 
Uh, this time, I don't really think there was an opportunity to pinch hit for him. Thank goodness. I don't think there's any scenario where it made sense. Valera was uh, already on base. But, uh, yeah, he came through. And, look, Kirk is a good hitter. Um, when you're a catcher and playing somewhat infrequently, you're going to have ups and downs and times mm -hmm. where it doesn't seem like you're contributing much. But he's a guy who deserves that bats. And I was really happy to see him get a DH day today. I've been wanting that for a while, yeah. right? Like if the team really is committed to getting Reese McGuire time behind the plate because of his defense, fine. But that doesn't mean Alejandro Kirk doesn't need to factor into that yeah. game. Um, and I'd be really happy to see him get more DH time moving forward. So that's our three positives. Now, we also had two losses in this game. And as you said earlier, we can't be sky high over the moon about doing two and two with another good team. It's not fantastic. So the first down that I have is quite honestly outside of that one five run inning they kind of randomly put together in the thursday game the bats didn't do much this this series they you know scored two runs in the first game two runs in the second game three runs in the third game and then you know seven runs in that last game but five were in one inning like it was a pretty limp performance from the offense is this just a consequence of the white Sox having very strong pitching or is this lineup minus george springer just not that good I mean, a four-game sample, typically we would look at it and say, I mean, that's small enough and you're facing good pitching and sometimes that happens, but they also went three runs, three runs, one run against the Detroit Tigers. And right. they didn't necessarily hit super well leading into this homestand either. So um, if you're waiting until you're, what, your seventh game of a homestand to score more than three runs when you're a team that your offense is the strength of what you do, that's a problem. So uh we we expect the team to hit we always will and and springer might be back as soon as friday uh, which would be a, a big help obviously to the lineup it was nice to see Semyon hit a couple home runs today um but yeah the the offense like vladdy isn't necessarily showing much breakout like there's still ground ball after ground ball Bo is really fighting it he has had some batted ball um misfortune or bad luck but still Bo is fighting it he's swinging at everything he doesn't – something I've noticed, and, and uh, I'm curious if you've noticed this too, but it feels like he has not turned on a fastball in months. Like if he gets a heater, he, he either just fouls it off or he shoots it to right field, which obviously isn't a bad thing. But for a guy who's as swing-happy as he is, you'd figure swing-happy guys would sometimes just sit fastball and sit pull fastball. And if the fastball comes inside, he's beat every time. And it just doesn't make sense given his profile as a hitter. So, um, yeah, Vladdy and Bo still struggling-ish. Um, is enough to say there's a legitimate reason, reason to be concerned here. Uh, and they really need to step it up if this team is going to make a run. Yeah, let's hope the offense turns it around and performs better. Speaking of hoping someone turns things around and performs better, Jose Barrios had in the second game a pretty bad start. Definitely his worst start since being acquired by the Blue Jays. He only made Made it through three innings. He allowed nine hits, didn't walk a guy, allowed four earned runs. I guess the positive here is that he struck out six guys, but four earned runs over three innings, that's not ideal. And that comes after, you know, his start in Anaheim against the Angels wasn't too good. Four and one third, six earned runs. The Washington start was pretty bleh. That was five innings, two earned runs. You know, not terrible, but after the first two starts we've got from this guy, the next three have been pretty ho-hum, hey? Yeah, it's disappointing when you make a trade deadline acquisition of his uh, name and stature and background. And the reason the Jays would go get a guy like Barrios is because you know what you're getting, right? Like that's the advantage with trading for a guy who's got, you know, in his fifth year in the big leagues, 
and a pretty consistent year-to-year ERA, pretty consistent performance throughout his career. And you figure that's what you're trading for. And sometimes you wonder like how much the human element plays into this. It's weird, right? He got drafted by the twins, spends his whole life with the twins. And now during a pandemic, he's being traded to another country. Uh, Mm -hmm. I can see, you know, who knows how little life and family, I don't know how accessible he is to his family and he's got kids. So all that stuff, who knows what's playing into it, but the performance hasn't been good enough. Um, and you hope that, you know, they, they find a, a solution for that soon. And Pete Walker hopefully does his thing because they need Brios to be the guy that they traded for. And if I'm not mistaken, I think they're one in four in his five starts as a Blue yep. Jay. And they won the first one in that and they haven't won since. Yeah, that's the first that's one. Which was the... Even that Kansas City game, I was at it. So his Blue yeah. Jays debut, um, his, his final line was solid. Like he pitched well. Kansas City barreled him up a bit. Like yeah, they, they're just a team that doesn't have a ton Especially of Especially early on too. Line drives. Like they're hitting these hundred mile an hour line drives to into the outfield or lining into outs. And and you know, being at that game, I'm just you know thinking positively and like, okay, well, we're yeah. getting out of this and he's working around it. But like to see him get even squared up in that game, and that was, you know, among the best starts he's had, and now three somewhat clunkers in a row. Uh, this next start that he has is against, I want to say, yeah, it's in this Detroit series. So, I mean, they're not a great offense, right? And, and you know, he's got a history of playing against the Tigers. I don't know his numbers are against them, but that's not a great team. So he needs to have uh, a vintage Brio start, and the Jays desperately need that to happen soon. Speaking of poor starts, we got a Pinjin Ryu stinker, which is unfortunately becoming kind of a thing this year. I mean, I'm not going to go out and say Ryu's been bad because even after this start, he's still got a 388 ERA. It's not terrible. It's not you yeah. know last year, but whatever. So three and two thirds in the Thursday game, seven hits, seven earned runs, only four strikeouts. And now, so he had that fantastic start against the Tigers, but like you just said, the Tigers suck. And then he had a pretty eh start in Seattle. It wasn't bad, but right before that, it was that mashing at the hands of the Red Sox. And, you know, we've, we've, we've seen a lot, like I said, like a lot of kind of ho-hum from Ryu this year. Are you worried? His location hasn't been great. And it's weird for a guy whose whole career has been like a location artist, right? He paints the corners. He puts his variety of pitches wherever he wants to put them. And that's how he gets away with, you know, low velocity. Um, and in, in the Thursday start here, it seemed like he was missing his spots constantly. Even if he was trying to go up and in, he'd get it up, but it would be up and away. Like he just wasn't lining up with the catcher's glove very often. And when you don't throw hard, that's where your margin of error is extremely thinned. And you see starts like this against a good right-handed hitting team that just crushes lefties and they teed off on his mistake pitches. And there's been too many of those this year. Uh, do you want to take a guess at how close his ERA is to Steven Matz right now? I'm going to say they're nearly identical because I remember Matz went right below four, I think, after his start in Detroit. Yeah, I think Matz is 394. So 388 versus 394. So Matz's next start, if it's a good one, it's going to pass for you. All of a sudden, Ryu, from your like start of the season rotation, he's your ace guy. He's now gonna have an ERA that lines up with your as your number five guy, which is wild. It's insane. Um, and then that also speaks to a really good rotation, right? Like you got five guys that have ERAs under four. That's fantastic. Uh, at the same time, Ryu is a guy you're banking on being that consistent, reliable six inning two run horse when he's healthy, right? The the thing with Ryu was 
is he going to be healthy? It wasn't, is he going to perform when he's healthy? Yeah. It was, you know, he's only getting, you know, quote unquote, only getting 20 million a year because of the injury hedge and the injury risk, because the numbers were there with the Dodgers for him to be paid, you know, nine figures, right? That's, that's a profile just statistically as a guy who should have made over a hundred million dollars. And the injury history was the reason it was only four years, 80 million. So the fact that the Jays have had exceptional injury luck with Ryu is a bummer that we're seeing this, you know, mediocre number four, number three, number four starter uh, profile. And obviously some big games where you'd want to see him step forward and step up and rise to the occasion. And it hasn't happened. And I, I think clearly the Jays need a long-term plan in years three and four of this contract to just find more ways to get him rest, right? Get Hyunjin Ryu an extra day or two in between starts. And I know there's traditionalists who that bothers, but it's like, you're paying the guy to be a performer. So the team should be putting him in best position to succeed. And anytime you can get him an extra day or two, and you know that's going to increase the likelihood of a, a strong start by quite a bit, that's what you do. Like the numbers don't lie. This is a guy who benefits from that extra day of rest. So hopefully there's a way to get him some of that in the in the coming weeks and, and hopefully he finds a way to write it. But yeah, he needs to find his location. He needs to find his spots and hit the glove. Now, speaking of contracts, this is a perfect segue into our next thing. That was three up, three down, brought to you by Twig and Berries. And now we're moving into the random other stuff segment. So you mentioned the contract. You said four years, 80 mil for Ryu. It wasn't a hell of a lot of money for, you know, what he is. He he was yep. a very good pitcher for the Dodgers. He didn't earn that much cash or that much term, I guess, because he had significant injury problems when he was with LA. He was always up and down, kind of an enigma. But now on the other hand, Robbie Ray's contract this offseason, he is going to get paid. Because when I looked at it, I kind of thought a few months ago, it was like, you know what? It actually makes sense if Robbie Ray got the same contract as Ryu, right? You know, they're both lefties. Yeah. Uh, Ray's been kind of up and down. He didn't have the injury thing, but he doesn't have that much consistency behind his name. But based on the season he's had this year, like there hasn't been a falter this year from this guy. And the comparable that I see now is Zach Wheeler who put together two good seasons with the Mets before he signed with the Phillies. And he signed a $118 million year deal over five years. And that neither of those two seasons he had with the Mets were anywhere near as good what Ray is doing right now with the Jays. So, I mean, we'd all love for Robbie Ray to come back, but are the Jays going to be the team to give him 125 mil on the deal? It's a fascinating question for a fascinating offseason for the Blue Jays because they've spoken time and time again about continuing this build and sustainable championship window. And the commitment from the organization needs to be, how do we get better next year than we were this year? And it's hard to lose Robbie Ray and have that be the case. Not saying you can't get there. There's other pitchers. There's other moves they can make. Um, and quite frankly, just with some regression in the, negative clutch factor they've had and and some of the randomness of losses they're going to make up some wins just based on that next year but Robbie Ray is an elite starter and I'm pretty convinced that the Jays have bought in on that I mean there's a reason they were very quick to bring him back this year I know it wasn't a ton of money but still they jumped on that in an offseason that was super uncertain and everybody thought there would be no free agent signings before February and the Jays are signing him what like early November it was the first one year yeah, so pretty wild. Um, and you're you're dead on with the Zach Wheeler comp. The the thing about modern day baseball is general managers pay for what they project you to be, not what you've done. What you've done is irrelevant. So they're gonna look at your stuff and see, okay, you know, Zach Wheeler, I believe he was throwing 
as hard as he ever had in his walk here with the Mets. So then the Phillies go check. He's healthy. As much as he's had injury history, clearly he just spent an entire year being healthy. Um, his, you know, strikeout rate was nine per nine. His walk rate was 2.3. Pretty solid numbers, not elite starter numbers. Number two guy numbers, right? Stuff there that the Phillies bought in on, right? Mm-hmm. So they gave him a big number, five years, 118 million. The White Sox offered more, if you remember. The White Sox offered him 126 million. So multiple teams saw Zach Wheeler as this. The Jays were on that. The Jays weren't on him too, if I remember correctly. The Jays were season. Yeah, like the Jays were stunned that his market took off like it did. I think yeah. the Jays' initial plan for that offseason was, was the new contract. I thought because uh, yeah. I remember there was talk that they were going to do. Uh, I remember there was rumors, and we were thinking seventy-five or eighty mil for like three years of Zach Wheeler. The That's Jays we were, were still about. in on the Wheeler talks when it hit hundred million, and once it started to go above that, right. they pivoted. Um, and that was the same. That was the Garrett Cole offseason, right? And we've got numerous reports that the Jays were like. In on Garrett Cole in the high 200s. Like the Jays were ready to go in on pitching that offseason. And Cole's market took off. And obviously, he chose the Yankees. And then Wheeler, they never expected his number to end up being as high as it did. And he even signed for less, like I mentioned. And then Kenjin Ryu was the third option they had there. And that's when they were now willing to offer the fourth year because they saw Cole get more than they expected. They saw Wheeler get more than they expected. And that meant they needed to give Ryu more than the market initially expected in order to land him. So I think that's going to repeat itself this offseason. Um, I think the the dialogue around Robbie Ray's next contract has changed quite a bit the last two weeks. I think there was a lot of people who were like, ah, you probably got him for like 365 or the mm-hmm. Ryu deal. Like a Dallas Keuchel deal kind of thing, right? Yeah, and it just doesn't make sense now. Like it's elite mm-hmm. stuff, right? And that's a separator with between him and Ryu too. Ryu had ERA. Ryu had like performance, but Ryu's stuff was, you know, he wasn't a big K artist and, and that's what guys pay for. Teams love to buy strikeouts. They love the certainty of a strikeout because anytime a ball is in play, bad things can happen. And that's what they pay for. And this week Atkins even mentioned when talking about the bullpen, um, he just, he, he said it wasn't velocity that they're missing. He's just swing and miss. Like what, whatever it is, if it's stuff that gets swing and miss, that's what, and it was a nice eye into how the Blue Jays think and what they need to fix and what they know they need to fix with the bullpen. But that translates to starting pitching too. If a guy misses bats, that's what general managers salivate over. And Robbie Ray absolutely dominates at that. Yeah, it is. Like you said, like you said, right at the beginning is um, it is going to be a really interesting offseason for them. And Bob McCowan said on his podcast earlier this week, he had uh, Ross Atkins on as a guest. And McCowan asked, can you see the Blue Jays being a $20 million roster? Because I can. And Ross Atkins kind of gave a very Ross Atkins answer being like, yeah, I hope so. I hope so. The thing is, uh, you don't want to commit to numbers, blah, blah, blah. But completely honest, like they're yeah. not they're 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 gonna have to make this kind of commitment very soon because you know Bo and Vlad are gonna get paid an obscene amount of money soon. Uh Barrios is arb eligible this year. Um Teoscar Hernandez is arb eligible as well. If they yeah. want to bring back Robbie Ray, he's gonna get paid. I think we can accept that Marcus Semyon's walking. That just seems inevitable to me. Yeah. But I mean the roster is gonna get very expensive and this this thing is gonna become pretty close to 200 million, right? Like that just kind of seems the path they're going down. Yeah. And as much as Atkins kind of hedged on the question, he didn't 
do the typical GM speak of like, oh, I'm not willing to discuss numbers. He obviously didn't talk numbers, but that wasn't his first response. He's saying, I hope so. That was, that was an interesting <laughs> language to use. Like, yeah, I hope we get there, right? Like, that, that was choice. That was forthcoming. And it felt like, you know, it, it felt like somewhat of an admission that, yeah, he thinks they're going to be in that ballpark. And who knows what the exact number is. But we've already seen this ownership group go to, what, like 168? And that was back when the team wasn't really charging much for tickets and they weren't necessarily maximizing some of the revenue. And they were also just beginning to see what a behemoth the Jays could be on television if they were must-see TV in the country of Canada. So I can see in the way Shapiro talks about this long-term plan and, and how they've told ownership, like, here's what happens when you start winning, when these guys need to start getting paid, we want to pay them, et cetera, et cetera. The language has been pretty encouraging, if not direct, because they can't be super direct. The language for the last year, two years has been really encouraging. And we've seen it play out in signings, right? In Ryu and Springer. And like I mentioned, some other guys, they were willing to spend a ton of money on, right? The, the like, who knows what contract they would have given Lindor had they made that trade yeah. and they were right there. They're right there with the Mets and the Lindor talks. And, you know, some people in baseball said they thought the Jays package was better. The Mets just had a package that was going to be ready in the majors sooner. And Cleveland seems it was to a like more specific trade. need too. It was, um, yeah. they could offer the yeah, big league ready shortstop. Short Jays didn't yeah. have that. Austin Martin, Groshans, they weren't big league ready. Santiago Espinal wasn't good enough. You know, it doesn't exactly. And probably a poor trade approach for Cleveland to take too. They did that 100%. with Clevenger as well, where they just took some like, um, yeah, actually, you know what? No, they've turned Cal Quantrill into a really good starter. So that's actually worked out for them. <laughs> but at the time, that trade package also felt kind of mediocre. It was like, okay, we just want guys who have big leaguer, young big leaguers next to their name, even though they didn't seem like they were impressive big leaguers. And like I said, Quantrill looks great. Um, Josh Naylor, he's been iffy. Like he's, you know, he's hurt him. He's hurt now, but uh, yeah, Cleveland has taken this approach when they trade guys of we want to get back major league talent, even if it's not high end major league talent. So I think that won out the Lindor talk. So um, fans don't like to hear when you're close on something. They just want to hear, you know, when you make the big signing, but now that they've made a few of those, it's interesting to look back at the, you know, near misses or the, the you know, the, the guys that mm -hmm. they nearly got to the finish line on. Um, and they've been aggressive. They've been super aggressive. And, and as much as we hear these certain names and rumors and stuff like that, there's a lot that's been discussed behind the scenes that we aren't privy to. And it's, it's big name players and that kind of thing. So it, it's encouraging to be a Jays fan in that regard. At the same time, you know, as who knows how long a window is. A window can yeah. feel really long. But then things can start going wrong. And we're now going through a season where if we look at the talent this roster has, things are going wrong. Like they're, if their pitchers are all ERAs under four <laughs> and they've got an offense that's put up like what third or fourth most runs in baseball. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, a, a bullpen that's been leaky, of course, and been a problem, but it should not cost this many wins. This is a lost opportunity year. And as much as the playoffs are still alive, obviously, the hole they've dug is huge yep. and it's going to be really hard to dig out of that. And if they finish a couple games back after the season, they're going to be a lot of regret for this year. And obviously they're all going to say the nice optimistic long-term stuff and we can't wait for next year and we'll be there. But any, any year that you don't make the playoffs is a missed opportunity. And, and this one might be one of those. Now, speaking about winning games, we're going to move on to the next up and up next is brought to you by DoorDash. 
Use the promo code BJMPODDD. If you're a first-time user, you'll get 25% off your DoorDash order. So go ahead and order yourself something nice. So what you said at the beginning of the podcast is this team has to start winning some games. They ain't been doing that very much recently, but on the horizon, they have Detroit and there's Baltimore. And then there's those huge games against the Yankees in Oakland. They absolutely have to win those games against the Yankees in Oakland. That's their chance to make up those games against those teams they're chasing. They have to win them. But before we get there, they have to take care of business against these terrible teams. And they did not do that last weekend. They lost two of three to the Tigers. What's our expectation for this weekend series in Detroit? Yeah, well, and if you tack the Washington series onto that, four yes. of five against bad teams. And, the, the, you know, the Tigers are better than their overall record is. They actually have played good baseball for two months. So they probably deserve a little bit more credit. Than they're at least giving. mediocre. They're not Baltimore. Yeah, they're, bad, right? they're an okay-ish that's team that's kind of early, on the rise, but they're pretty early in that process. So they're a team you have to beat. And, uh, yes, you lose to bad teams in baseball. That's just how baseball works. But you can't do it often. And when you've lost uh, too many games leading into this time of year, you need to go on a run. Doesn't mean you need to live, win 11 in a row, but you need a homestand like they had when they first came home and went nine and two. Problem with that homestand too is they had two very winnable games uh, away from being 11 and 0. Right? This is yep. a team that you can just look back on so many lost opportunities. And I know every baseball fan base can do this, but statistically, the Jays fans can look at some <laughs> of the this year and be like this is another level above what other fans have gone through and other teams have endured because it's just been messy the the fan clutch metric has jays as 29th in baseball this year baltimore is the only team worse so that needs to turn around yeah we've got what will be i think a season defining roughly two weeks like i said it's detroit here for three on the road in detroit sorry for three then we're back to toronto three against baltimore baltimore just lost what 19 games in a row and they finish that streak off and got themselves in the wind column for the first time in a month. And then it's head to head against Oakland. Oakland's kind of struggling. They could leapfrog them potentially, maybe sink the athletics. Then it's the Yanks. The Yanks have been playing amazingly good yep. since they acquired Gallo and Rizzo. No surprise there. I mean, the Yankees are the I'm Yankees. I'm kind of comfortable calling them the wild card one team now. I'm not yeah, even easily. looking at like, easily. obviously head to head with the Yankees, you want to win, but I don't think yeah. you're, you're chasing yeah. them anymore. It's all no, about it's Boston and Oakland now. So right now, like I've got the, this is Thursday night. I've got Yankees, Oakland on the TV. Yankees are up three, nothing. And I'm happy. For the like, that's good. There, yeah. That's a good thing. Yeah. Uh, and that's kind of how the rooting interest has to be right. Oakland and Boston and somehow still Seattle. That's insane. <laughs> such, such a piss off. I but know. It's, still come Seattle, on. Um, who has been, by the way, the clutchest team in like history of Fangraphs metric. Like they, wh- whatever Why? that is, Why? I don't have any idea what goes into it. But I hate they're, this sport. It's stupid. Their, their number is like 8.3. And again, like 8.3 what? I don't know. But like second in baseball is like 3.5. Like they they are crushing the second most clutch team in clutchness this year. It doesn't make any sense. And it's going to come down so hard next year. And I will make fun of my Seattle friends for that when it happens. But this year they dunk on me all the time. And I can't blame them because the Jays have really struggled when it matters. Well, let's hope that the next time we're talking, the Blue Jays are on a nice winning streak because this has been a frustrating couple of weeks here. It was it was all so good when when you and I were having so much fun at that homecoming. We were all so happy and everybody was jumping up and down. And now they're losing games to Detroit and, you know, losing games to Seattle. And it's frustrating, but they need to go on a big run here. Yep. And let's hope it let's hope it starts against Detroit. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 